If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Y'all ready? Uh, let's go. Welcome. This is Michael Collier's world. Started on Venice Beach, now he reaching the world. He'll make you laugh till your stomach hurts. Super fly, nice guy. And pray if you need the word. While he dressed to the night. Come on, get ready for the star search winner. An OG three times. This ain't no beginner. Whether you in your house, you want your burger out to dinner. On your job, in your car, turn it up. And it's a remember. Michael Collier. Michael talks to everybody. Michael Collier. Michael talks to everybody. Michael Collier. Michael talks to everybody. You know what it is, Shotty. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your boy again, Michael Kaya. And Michael talks to everybody, not every, everybody, man, every walk of life. We try to just hang out with folks and find out different things from different places. Then we just want to be authentic and fun and real and rich. And we see what happens today. I'm speaking to a an acting, I think, an acting icon. I, th- I know he's a genius and a technician when it comes to this whole acting thing. And he's just a great guy as well. Uh, he's an actor and a director. Please get your little stubby fingers together for the wonderful Hawthorne James. Woo, 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 woo. There it is. <laughs> now, he's he been in many, many movies. I, I love that you were in, Um, I don't know Stick Up Kids, but definitely he was awesome in Five Heartbeats, awesome in Speed as the driver. Um, Seven. What did you do in Seven? I was Sam the library guard that when Morgan came to do the research in the library, 
Right, right, I right. I wanted to let him in, and then he talked about the us playing cards, and I played the classical music for him. You want you want culture? Mm. Yes, culture. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Now let me ask you. So you you uh do you have opportunities to just sit and talk to Morgan Freeman? Or was he the guy guy work, he go to his trailer, he don't food? No, I didn't get a chance to watch. But see, that that's the interesting thing about this, Mike, was that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I did this movie, because I turned it down twice. Because it's it's like I I turned down a couple of things. Like I speed, I turned down. But that's that's a different story. But the Morgan okay. Freeman thing seven was because of the fact that I wanted to, I wanted a more meaty roles in, in, at that point in my life. Right. But, you know, this was back in the 90s. And when they wanted mm-hmm. you in the 90s, it's very di- different world now. Right. When they wanted you back then, they wanted you. So when mm-hmm. I turned it down, they came back and offered me more money. Turned it down mm-hmm. again. They came back, offered me more money, my name up front. And they said, by the way, do you know he'll be working with Morgan Freeman? Now that was, I was going to do it for the more money. Yeah, yes, and the yes, name yes. Up front. But when they said Morgan Freeman, because see, Morgan Freeman has something that I, I, I've been trying to learn for since I got to LA because my background is theater. Okay. And I have a tendency to be larger than life. Mm, me too. And and uh uh Hal went. I took class with Hal went when I first moved to LA and he was he was uh an excellent acting coach. Mm-hmm. Because it was, Bill Duke was in that class. Uh, Carl Franklin was in the class. Earl Billings was in that class. Mm. Myrna White. There were a lot of people that you know now were in that class. Right. But he taught me how to act for the camera. But I still, I still have a tendency to be just a tad bigger than I need to be sometimes. And the only difference for folks who aren't in film and television, the difference is you got to be smaller for film and television because you're broadcast so largely. But in theater, uh, you're going to speak bolder because you have to fill up the thing with your, you have to fill up the space with your energy and with your voice and with your sound. And it's also different pacing, you know. Sorry, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, but what you're saying is true because. Because what happened, and we didn't have, when I was growing up, uh, when I was doing my degrees at theater and doing theater, we didn't have microphones. We were, do- we were working in 1,500-seat houses with That's no right. microphones. You had and to we project. Had to reach, we were taught to reach that little deaf-blind lady in the third balcony, you know, to make sure. So we had to be larger. We had to speak louder from the diaphragm and, and be just bigger. But when you, when you do film, the camera's right in your face. Right there. And so when you raise an eyebrow, that says volumes. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that. And I'm still working on that. That's one of the things I'm still working on. So Morgan Freeman has that. So I wanted to watch him up close and personal to see what I could get from him. We didn't have any conversations, nothing. I mean, he's he's not a friendly person right. in, in, in the sense of. He, don't, he doesn't appear to be very approachable. No, he's not. But I wanted to see that. I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see somebody who I respected that knew how to do that. So that's why I did seven. But it was it was great in the scenes you saw him in. But you weren't in any scenes with him. Yeah, I was. So you yeah, were in I, scenes with I, him. I, yeah, he, yeah. I was the one that let him in the library when he came. Oh to yeah, the okay, okay, yeah. all right. But y'all didn't sit around and chat when you weren't shooting. Y'all shot no, and then no, moved on. No, kept it he moving. Wasn't, he wasn't oh. that kind of person, not in the closest. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I was always wondered about him. I I don't know anyone who's had a conversation with him because he does seem like he just 
you know, he stands alone. And yeah. that's fine. That's what we want. I just watched him in the um the bucket list and I forget what a wonderful movie that is. What an awesome movie. You I know? still watch Shawshank. Oh my I still watch Shawshank. Maybe once a month. Shawshank is one of the best yeah. films ever made. I love yeah. that movie. I, I totally agree. It, it's it's a wonderful film. It really is. There, there, and there are only certain films I can watch like that. I can't even watch my own films like that. <laughs> Let's see, yeah, I, I never, I rarely, if ever, watch my own stuff. I, I'm always cringing because I look at it and I be thinking, "Dang, I could have did that better. Why didn't I try this?" Or exactly, you know? exactly. I'm, there are things in the five heartbeats that that, that I that just drive me crazy because I said, "Oh, damn, why didn't I do that?" Why things, I? things you thought you should have did, you missed that you yeah. could have put in there. Yeah. Yes, you know. So, so you go back years and you think about this kind of stuff, you know. But you're learning. It's all a learning process. Before our listeners who don't really know Five Heartbeats, this gentleman stole the movie. He was red. He was the heavy. The guy. Well, he was a promoter. You know what's really? I was just thinking about something. You and I have similar roles in our our two most famous movies. Well, we're both well known movies. You're most well known. As Red from the Five Heartbeats. Red from the Five Heartbeats was looked upon as a gangster, but what he really was was a promoter that promoted in a gangster way. I did House Party 3. It was the same role. I played a promoter who everybody thought was a gangster, Showboat 3, but I was just a promoter doing it as a gangster would. Go ahead. What was you about to jump in and say? A couple of years ago, I was talking to this woman I know, mm -hmm. and she she made me think of something that I had never thought of before. What's Big that? Red was a businessman. That's why she respected him. He's a businessman. He was, he was a businessman. And he mm -hmm. did business the way he knew how to do business. And I never thought of it in those terms of him being a businessman. Well, what did you think of it as? How did you, what did you think of it as when you did the part? That's an interesting question. I I, I thought of it as, as, a, as a guy who owned a record company. I never thought of him being a businessman because we have to remember, mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because this was back in what the 50s, 50s, 60s, no, 60s. And there weren't that many black people, powerful black people in the music industry like that, who owned their own labels, et cetera. Right. None. One or two. Maybe. Yeah. James Brown. Maybe. One or two. Maybe. You know, but this man owned his own label and stuff. And I never thought of it in those terms because I was so busy listening mm -hmm. to what Robert was saying to me. Because Robert, every day, he said, make him a lovable uncle. Lovable uncle. Lovable. Mm. He said that to me every day. And he also said. The two things he said to me every day. He said, I want to make a classic. I, every day, Robert said, I want to make a classic and make, make Red a, a lovable uncle. And that's why I tell people all the time, you can't play a bad guy as a bad guy. There's not a guy in prison who thinks he's a bad guy. Right, right. He's that's there right. because he had to do what he had to do. Yes. To, to, to survive. So you can't play bad guys as... Well, see, those kind of guys... The, the ones that get up in your face and scowl at you, they don't scare me. Mm -hmm. No, the ones me that scare me are the ones that smile in your face. And they're quiet. And they're quiet. Oof. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you got a, a, a two by four in your back. Yeah. You're like, where did that come from? Where did that? And that's the thing. And, 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 and reflecting over all these years, I finally came to the conclusion that in that hallway, right before I hang him out the window. Right, right, right. That's what happens. Is I come out the doorway laughing and joking and having a good time with my boys. Right, right, right. And all of a sudden, and you've never seen him raise his voice, nothing. All of a sudden, that backhand comes out of nowhere and somebody's hanging out the window. 
Yes. That's what makes that so effective because you don't expect it. Right. Exactly. It's the exact opposite of what you expected. So that's those are the things that I enjoy learning how to do. And those are the things I look, that, that I enjoy doing as an actor to do the unexpected, to constantly be working on this craft, to be reading that script over and over. I, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm making $100,000 or making $5 or making no dollars, mm-hmm. which I have done that before. I've been there. It yes. doesn't make any difference to me. If I give you my word that I'm going to work on your project, Woo! you have my whole heart and soul in your project. Because mm. all I can control is my word. Yes. And I don't give a damn what anybody else does. You have my attention. And every time I walk on a set, as, as old as I am right now, wow. I keep saying to myself, man, you know, this is getting kind of old and shit. But when I walk onto that set, it's like the very first time I walk onto any set. The excitement, mm-hmm. the life that it breathes in you. I love it. To know this is something I love to do. Oh, man, can't beat it. You can't beat it. If you're doing what you love, even if you break even, you're ahead of the game. You know, the wealth is in your being able to do what you really love because that rocks you to the core of your being, man. Let me ask you, uh, your character, Red, is known worldwide as Red. And my character, Shobo, known worldwide. Shobo, Dynamite, that's a... Uh, JJ, those are their characters. I know he had a hard time for a long time hearing the word dynamite. If you said dynamite to JJ, he'd ball his fists up. You know, that's changed recently because they gave him a very lucrative commercial and his ass is saying dynamite, dynamite, dynamite. But I remember <laughs> yeah. for years, you couldn't even say that word around him because it pissed him off. I'm wondering about your feeling about Red because I know people bugging you. I know everybody walk up to you and still say the same thing. Hey, man, say that line. What's your hours? The question is, does it bother you at all? Never has, never will. It's a blessing. Thank you. To have done something that people remember. This is the first time I'm going to say this. I, I, have a, I have a thing to do on Saturday, which I'm thinking of, which I'm going to tell people about this. But mm-hmm. I was in the hospital two months ago. And it's so strange. I'm laying, I, you know, before I got admitted into, I was there for, uh, for two days. And I was laying, not in the room, but, you know, when you when you first go in there, you know, the, little, the reception like, area, the yeah. shit in there. Mm-hmm. I'm laying up in the bed and this one another patient walks by this woman and she must have been 20s in her 20s or something. Mm-hmm. And she walks by. She looks at me, say, hey, Red, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> and then she just keeps going. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. beginning of it. I'm in the hospital being wheeled to my room. And you could hear the whispers from the nurses. That's him. That's him. You could hear him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all the way in and finally, you know, and finally the, you could hear him. When I get in the room, I hear him say, yeah, yeah. And he was in Speed and he was in this and he was in that. Exactly. And, and they're naming these movies, right? Well, four o'clock in the morning, a nurse comes in to give me medication, to give me a pill. And so, and so she gives me my pill and stuff. And she looks at me and she says, are you... I said, yes, baby. And she said, oh. And so she says, and she talks to me for about two, three minutes. She leaves. 4.30 in the morning, she and another nurse come into the room. And they start doing, they start singing and dancing in the room and singing the songs from the five heartbeats. They took a <laughs> selfie with me in the bed. 4.30 in the morning. 
And they said, please don't tell anybody because we could lose our jobs. Mm. I said, absolutely not. This is between you and I. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not definitely ill or anything like that. Right, you right, know? right. Let's hope. But it put a smile on my face, Mike. You know, it, it's just amazing how this has affected people around the world. I can't go anywhere in this world without people knowing. I swear, and I, I love you that. You know, in Africa, I got mobbed in Africa, in Paris. It's just, this is a fascinating, and I didn't sign up for this. Mm-mm. I signed up to be an actor, but this is all the stuff that comes with it. And and I'm so mm. blessed and so grateful. It is a that. blessing, and it is a blessing. We better be grateful. Look, we got to take a break, because I, I got to go uh, take pause for the calls. We got something to sell. I don't know what it is, but I sure hope y'all back, because that keeps us on the show, and I get a few more years to give me a couple of dollars, something like that. Anyway, we'll be right back. It's a break. This is Michael. Talk to everybody. If y'all haven't heard me before, call your mama. Tell her get on the line. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm tamika d mallory and it's your boy my son the general and we are your host of tmi new year new name new energy but same old <laughs> oh yeah And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. And we're black. Yep, it's Michael Talks to Everybody here on iHeart Podcast. And I love the show because we get to meet people from just so many different walks of life. And I've always wanted to have this conversation with you. Hartthorn James, yo. You may know him from uh, Speed as the bus driver. You may know him as Big Red from Five Heartbeats. Uh, and the Stick Up Kids. Who are you and the Stick Up Kids? I, I was Uncle Bo, who raised these uh, four kids. Uh, I, I adopted them and tried to teach them how to how to live their life the correct way. And they become con artists. And wow. they make millions of dollars being con artists because they're so smart. They're three guys and a girl. And it's based in New York City. And this, and this land, this guy wants to buy my apartment building. And I refuse to buy it. I, just, I get killed. He kills me to get my stuff. And that turns these kids' lives around. They realize that they have to start doing things. And they start buying buildings and, and giving loans to people. That's how much money they have earned in their lives. Mm, okay. What is your most difficult part, though? What was the role you had? You didn't even know if you could handle that shit or not. You know, I, I, my, I, there's nothing. Every time I got a role, I knew I could, I could deal with it. I don't, it's just a matter of, of belief and self. You know, I've done over 300 plays in my life. Wow, wow, from, wow. You know, everything from contemporary to classical. Mm-hmm. I have all my degrees in theater. I have a bachelor's from Notre Dame. I was on stage uh, all the time, you know, and I was I'm being the only black student. I mean, when I'm doing, you know, Chekhov, you know, uh, playing Trepov. Chekhov? Did you say Jackoff? Yeah. I played tre- Trepov in The Seagull. Oh, you said Chekhov. Chekhov. Yeah. I thought you said Jackoff. Okay, okay. Oh, Chekhov. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, people come <laughs> up with some funny names for plays. I didn't know. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. And you are really, 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 really strong with Shakespeare. Yeah, you know, I've been doing it all my life. I did wow. it in high school in Chicago. But nobody, no, none of the Chicagoans that I know knows that Red from the Five Heartbeats is Shakespeare as well. You know, to, to be able to do both flavors like that convincingly is amazing. Yeah, because I've been I've been studying ever since I was a kid. You know, I I, I did have you know I I was in I didn't play Hamlet. I should have played Hamlet in high school, right, but I right. did. I played one of the guards. But but I, I, you know I have bachelor's from Notre Dame, a master's from University of Michigan. I get scholarship offers from Yale and Cornell. Ted Lands got me a scholarship to go study 
at the London Shakespeare Academy in London, Whoa. England. I love Ted Lynch. I'm doing a thing this weekend about the Inner City Cultural Center. And, yes. and this, this weekend on Saturday at 7 o'clock is in Inglewood. And they're, they're doing a, um, an intimate evening with Hawthorne James. Mm. And it's, it's, it's at the uh, uh, Willie A.G. Playhouse in Inglewood, 600 North Lake, uh, Lake okay. in Inglewood. All right. But this thing, the Inner City Cultural Center, which no longer really exists, was probably one of the most important places for black actors in the world. It was like a power hub for actors in this town. And yeah, around the world, everybody made their way to that cultural center. Yeah, you name it, they were there. Whether it be Lou Gossett, whether it be Denzel, you know, uh, uh, who's the guy who played uh, uh, Superfly? Uh, Ron O'Neill. Ron O'Neill. Uh-huh. Ron O'Neill. Everybody came through there. So wait, was Ron O'Neill a good actor? I don't know him from anything but Superfly. He did, he did this play called Checkmates. I've heard and about Checkmate. It was big. I think he was in the cast with Denzel. And mm. I can't remember who else was in it. But yeah, Ron was actually a, an actor, a real actor. Wow. Wow. He was great in Checkmates. So have you worked with Denzel on anything? No. I would like to. Are you interested in working with him? You know, I'm interested in, in great projects. In great any, projects. Any great project that comes along, I'm interested. That's the, that's the important thing. It's not the person, it's the project for me. See, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on both of them, though, Hearthstone. I, I want great projects, but I want to work with great people. If if I could work with Denzel, even if the play was a piece of shit, I would take it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if it's an artist that I just love his work, I would just want the experience of working with that artist. And I wouldn't care about the overall vehicle. I would care that my overall performance was good. And, and that would be what my point of caring would have to be. The rest would be, ooh, I got an experience to work with a master at this. Like, to work with you. Yeah, you know, I I, I love, I don't want to be around weak people. Mm. I only want to be around the best. You know, it's I learned this so many times, in, in especially in television. You can't be better than the lead actor because you'll get cut out of it. And I've been cut so many times. Wow. And it, it boils down to I'm better than the, 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 than the lead. And that's, and that's the truth. I have an overall phrase that I try to teach people everywhere, and, and they do a whole they do a whole chapter of it in a thing called Forty Eight Laws of Power. And and the, the law number one is never outshine the master. You know, the star of the show is the star of the show. You come around there being bigger than the star of the show, you gonna be gone in a minute because the star of the show got more juice than you, and he gonna be like, "Why this clown?" Absolutely true. And, wow. you can, and, and, and you know, I learned I learned not to be mad at that. It's part mm-hmm. of the business. Mm-hmm. You want to be part of the business, then learn it. But I don't care if if you can outshine me, which you ain't gonna ha- it ain't gonna happen, far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Because what I love is is when I'm working with another actor, and all of a sudden I look at them and they say, and I look at them and say, that was really good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now watch this. Ooh. As long as it in, as long as it's in the context of of what we're doing of the script. Exactly. Not not just to outshine somebody. It, it has nothing at all to do with, with what you're doing. But I love being pushed. Mm. Make me better. Make me yeah, I like work. That. I love that. When I do shows, I try to have comics that are funnier than me. You know, and then I try to be funnier than them. You know, yeah. and it's fun for me to try to extend to be the very best of what we're doing. I don't ever want to be ordinary or regular. You can't put me in that category. I want to be exceptional all the time. But I'll tell you, Hawthorne, a lot of people aren't used 
to supplying um, excellence on a daily basis. You know, they'll give it to you every now and then if it's an ideal situation. But most people, they're not used to serving up excellence daily. And that's how I try to live. Daily, I try to do the very best of whatever I'm doing in all things. I don't always achieve it. But I shoot for it, man. Shit. Yeah, you should. Who are you if you don't shoot to be the best? Exactly. So what is your part that you hated? What part did you do? You did the part. But damn it, you wish you wouldn't have even done that damn part. See, Mike, there's nothing that I can't say anything about that. Now, there are things there are things that I wish that people had understood how to do it, how to leave it in, how to not to cut it out and Mm -hmm. understand what I was going for and shooting for. But I don't have final control of the product. Yeah. Yeah, them editors. Ooh, the editor and the director get in the back room, man. They could change some things. They like, could they change things. And and mm. and a lot of a lot of stuff that I'm talking about right now is has to do with cowardice. Mm. Because I do things because I'm a black man. I do things as a black man to make us all black men look strong like we are. Nice. I don't care about nothing else. I care about us black men. And 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 not that I don't care about black women, but Black men have been so low on the totem pole mm. that I push for black men all the time to be winners. Were you in the color purple? Yes, that was my very first union movie. That that's what I thought. I'm trying to remember your character. Was you the one fooling around with her at the juke joint? In the juke joint, yeah. Oh yeah. now you realize they just shot a new version. No, I did not. They just shot a new musical version. Oh, the musical version. And okay. Danielle Brooks is playing the Sophia role, but it's going to be amazing. And it's the same three principal producers who's doing it, Oprah and Spielberg and Quincy. And it comes out on Christmas. It's going to be phenomenal. I just It, it just dawned on me. You were in that yeah, original that my movie. first union movie. My first movie was with Rudy Ray Moore. What was that? What was that? The Disco Godfather. <laughs> the Disco Godfather. What kind of movie was that? That was that was where I I was the I was the lead bad guy Stinger Ray, and I was a uh, angel dust dealer. Wow, that was wow. That came out of Inner City too, because that, that because Cliff Rockmore, who produced that movie, and who had directed and written P.D. Wheatstraw, right? Cliff was extremely important in my life. But that from Inner City, but Disco Godfather, people don't understand that movie that that. That, that Eddie did has nothing all to do with, with who 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 uh, Dolomite is. Uh, no, or was. nothing all to do with him. He gave. See, this is the thing, Mike. He gave black writers, producers, directors, all of us. It, they we were almost all black people behind the scenes that weren't getting those type of mm. jobs. Rudy Ray Moore gave us those jobs. He made sure there's on the team. Yeah. And when that movie was done about his life, there's not one writer producer, director that was black. My name is in the credits of that movie. Do you know that? Wow. And you're not in it? And I'm not in it. But the producers, uh, uh, Glenn Turman called me up one day and said, I'm going to have a meeting with these guys that are producing a movie and and about, uh, about Rudy Ray. And you know more about Rudy than I do. Would you like to come to the meeting with me? Mm-hmm. I said, Absolutely. So we went and had me uh, had this lunch meeting with these guys, and we get I gave them stories of Inner City, I gave them stories of Rudy and Cliff and all that stuff. So my name is in the in, is in the credits. Special thanks. But do you know I didn't even get an invite to us to the premiere to the premiere screen? Nothing, nothing, not a thing. Wow. 
you know. But yet your name is uh, in the credits. But my name is in the credits. Welcome to Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Bring a night pack. You're gonna be here for a minute. <laughs> You'll be here for a moment. Don't worry. But no, Rudy Ray Moore. I will forever be grateful to Rudy. People have no clue how important Rudy was to especially black people. God, I wish I knew him more. And I knew him in his last days when he was 80. I was doing some stuff in Vegas and he came through. Uh, at, the, at the time, they had a the only black owned hotel casino in Vegas it was called the Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Yep. Yep. It was downtown. Yes, it was down in the old, yeah. what they call old Vegas, down to old yeah. downtown. And I would fly in every Thursday for about two years and hold comedy in that room every Thursday night. And we would pack it in. And Rudy came twice. And it mm. was good. That's the only time I could ever remember meeting him. And what a nice, beautiful person, man. Really. Absolutely. Great Absolutely. heart. Great heart. Great dude, man. Hey, listen, our time is running out. What? What would you like to say about this game of acting that we're doing and where it's going? Or what would you like to leave us with? I, d I don't know where it's going because it has changed. I mean, the process itself is still the same, but everything surrounding it has totally changed, you know. But what I want to say when people ask me, what I do want to say is always never let people tell you what you should be doing. Mm. You will find out sooner or later if you're good at what you're doing. But don't let people, because if I let people tell me, Oh man, you you man, you never make it. Blah 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 blah. You never would have. Never would have. And I was accepted in the law school, and I looked and I said, "This is not for me. Mm -mm. This is not what I want. I want to be an actor." And I taught for two years at Illinois State University. Mm, okay. And not not one of those professors had ever done anything professionally, and I thought to myself, "How could we be teaching kids how to be professionals when we've never done it ourselves?" You know wow. who one of my students was? Who? John Melkovich. I was younger than him. He was one of your students? Yes. That's a, that's a whole wow. story, man. That Highland how, how Rednecks hated me. Oh, <laughs> me man. Me being a professor. And, and Lori, and Lori the, the woman that played uh, uh, Roseanne's sister in that show this Lori year. Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. She was, uh -huh. oh, uh, her and, and, and there's one other, Rondi Reed. Her and, and, and Malcolm, they were tight as thieves, and they hated me. Mm. But why would they hate you? They're rednecks. Okay. And they're being taught by a brother. Yes. Huh. And so, but but that's, 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 a, that's the thing that we have to get into later. But, and I don't talk about that. My, I'm, I'm saving some stuff for my book when I, when I set my ass down and write. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't think we get so caught up in that kind of stuff in our profession. You know, that's the one thing, because as actors, the reason I even got into acting, I was in my high school in Morgan Park. Some kids did Guys and Dolls, and they were black and white and Asian and Hispanic. And I went with them after the show to something they called a cast party. I never heard of a cast party. And they had a, and it was a rap party. I never heard of a rap party. It was a combination in one of the white kids' beautiful homes their moms owned over in the Beverly area. And what I was most reflective of the thing that moved me most was not the wealth of the community or anything it was that all these different kids from different backgrounds dug each other they were genuine about being friends with each other because the one thing they had in common was theater and it didn't we didn't give a damn if you was asian or black or old or gay we didn't care what you was doing if you were in the theater with us you was part of the team and part of the family and that created a, a camaraderie that i just found uh, irresistible 
Irres- I knew after the first play, I was going to be living in Hollywood the rest of my life, acting and trying to be a star. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, well, that's 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 idealism, but that's not the real world. What's the real world? The real world is ex- the exact opposite of that. It really? Is the, it, it it is all that negative stuff, but but you have to learn how to navigate through it and not mm. let it let it take you down. That's right. And that's what I'm, I'll be damned if I let it take me down. That's, that's, that's why I can still put a smile on my face because I say to everybody, I keep turning up like a bad penny. You'll never get rid of me. <laughs> that's what I try to say too, because folks keep calling me legend. And it's not because I've accomplished anything in particular, but I've outlived all these other motherfuckers. And I <laughs> think that's, I think that's important, you know? Hey, it look, is important. we're all out of time. Tell people how they can find you. Hawthorne James, uh, that's, that's on Facebook, and Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, 2995 on Instagram. I love it, brother. I love you, and I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes, Hawthorne. Thank you for being my friend all these years, and thank you for bringing so much excellence to theater and film. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you so much, King. You have a big project coming up we should know about? Well, I've got a couple of things, but we'll see what happens. Nothing, nothing I can talk about yet, but some couple of real big things. So we'll see. And I'll let you know as soon as it happens. I appreciate you more than I can say. Thank you, King. God bless you real good. Hearthorn James, actor par excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, he do a thing for real. In other words, he actually knows what he's doing and he does it well. God bless you real good. Now, folks, this is Michael Talks to Everybody. I'm here three days a week with new shows. Three days a week, every week. I'm doing that 50 weeks at a time for three years. I'm going to be around here for a minute talking to everybody and I still want to talk to your mama. Okay, I'm right here, y'all, having fun. Remember, life is a garden if you dig it. Observe this world. Embrace this world. Look for the light in it and stay away from them other ugly people. Stay away from them. And the ugly people, that's not a physical thing. That's an internal thing. Stick with the light. You're going to be all right. Keep God first. Remember, life is a garden if you dig it. I dig y'all. Come back some more. And don't forget, go to my morning show five days a week on YouTube. Mike Kite Morning Show, 7 a.m. Pacific time over there. We tell jokes, we laugh, and we pray. I'm going to catch y'all later. Be great. You already are. God bless you. See ya. Woo, I had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks to Everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram, just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael Kaya 135. I have a very sexy webpage called TheRealMichaelKaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. Or if you really love me, you can go to my cash app. That's dollar sign Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I accept green stamp, food stamp, Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it. And my morning show. Oh my goodness. The Michael Kaya morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time. Yo, five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.